The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson joins us with Heartland Farm Partners. As I look out my window, and we're going to dive more into this um, as Jeff and I talk, it is definitely foggy. We know that there's a storm system moving all the way across the upper Midwest, and that's going to make for things interesting. But I think the most interesting thing is there was green on the screen today for grains, Jeff. Oh, I know. I had to double check my screen to make sure it hadn't, uh, you know, malfunctioned. It was it was something to see green instead of the red. And, and you're right. What a difference one day makes. So what is one the day, reason? Well, there's a lot of factors. So let's just kind of step back and look at it at the 30,000 foot view. The funds have been selling this market off pretty hard on both corn and beans and wheat. As a matter of fact, uh, with the overnight trade last night, we would have had them short about 241,000 contracts. Now, when I say funds, that's the individual managed money, the big money that their only goal in the market is to try to go ahead and make a profit. They've been selling this market off hard. Um, If we would have had a commitment trader report come out today and and log that information, if that's where they were holding, that'd be a new record short in the market. So that's put pressure on the market. So the market's extra sensitive to, to the weather. And so as you continue to see some of these wet conditions, we're going to talk more about that. That's got the market a little bit concerned. Um, But also, uh, Robert Lighthizer was testifying before the Senate Finance Committee today. And there were some positive things that he said that were a little bit more positive than what they had been in some of his previous comments. And that was in regards to the technology transfer and also the intellectual property. And those were two of the big items that they're making some progress on. But he also did say... He said, you know what, we have a long ways to go yet. So we kind of get some mixed signals, which that's okay. I think the fact that uh, Lighthizer and President uh, Lou He out of, uh, or actually just their lead negotiator, Lou He, not president, out of China, they continue to talk almost daily. And then there was also some comments coming out of the EPA. Um, Wheeler stated that within the next 36 hours that he would be signing ultimately and in, in getting it set up so that the E15 would be available all through the summer driving season, so that'd give it to us uh, year-round. Now, the thing on the ethanol, though, we want to make sure everybody's on the same page. When we're talking about this E15, it's not that E15 is replacing E10. It's just that the E15 blend is going to be available. But I wouldn't get too excited about that, only because there's a lot of work to be done at all the individual stations to get it so that you know, they do have the tank space and it is available because there will be a lot of new stations that will want to carry it, but they got to make sure they have the right infrastructure in place. So that looks like a few things that's going to drive in this market today, Susan. Well, you know, I think it's exciting. You talk about E15. This has been a long time awaiting. Obviously, nothing is set in gold yet, but good news for those in the industry that have worked so hard to, to promote the, the positive side of E15. It really is, and, and I think there's so there's two different sides to that whole talk in the E15. Some are saying, well, that could mean for the 2018 crop year, you know, two to 300 million more, uh, basically, bushels of demand, and, and we're not so optimistic on that. We're really saying that maybe, maybe it means 25 or 30 million more bushels of corn demand uh, for the E15 as we get started off. But, but the key thing is it's a good step and which can turn out to be something much greater. Especially with all the, the negativity we've had and the frustration we've had in these markets, both from a grain and a livestock perspective, and that is with China and U.S. trade talks. We know that there's been another postponement. So here we go. We've got to try to work our way forward once again. 
Yeah, we really do. I think the positive thing is they are continuing to talk. I think actually when uh, President Trump went over to North Korea and actually was willing to walk away from the deal, I think that changed the tone a little bit with China. And I think the thing that China is scared of, because it's happened to them before in negotiations, is they, they send President Xi over and Trump and Xi sit down and talk and, and actually they, they reach a point where Trump walks away from the deal. And, and actually what that does, that shows weakness on the part of Xi. And, and China really doesn't want to see that happen. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, there are some suggesting, uh, not a lot, that we actually need to have another round of meetings yet before Trump and Xi actually go ahead and get together. And it seems like one of the things that really is holding everything up is this whole idea of an enforcement mechanism. And so what I mean by that is that if for some reason one of the items we've agreed to in the memorandum of understanding, um, China doesn't uphold their side, then what we're saying is we want to have the ability to put in tariffs back in place on them, but we do not want China to go ahead and retaliate. And China's balking on that, and I kind of read between the lines and go, well, if you don't have any intent on on breaking the rules, I mean, you'd have no problem with this. So are they basically want to say, hey, we'll talk about it all we want, but you know, don't hold our feet to the fire. That's kind of what it seems like. Speaking of talking a lot, weather is the hot topic no matter where you go. And we do know that there's some major winter storms moving through. That's going to affect some calving. We've got rains in our neck of the woods. That's a big concern as well as guys wonder when they're going to get planting and how this weather is going to affect the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there, there definitely is. As you take go through our area, we're starting to get some of the snow melted off, but then we got to start talking about the deep level that the frost is in the ground and the fact that there's a lot of field work to do and not a lot of fertilizer got put on. As we move farther to the north, it actually looks like they're going to pick up some additional rain and additional snow, as you had mentioned. And this has fallen on top of already a base of snow that some would estimate has is, is been the is as much as we've really had in a water equivalency, if we convert that snow over to moisture, the most we've had actually going back 15 years. So what does all that mean? It means we've got areas that have a lot of field work to do. It means that ultimately they're going to get held up here. And, and I think at some point in here that means we're going to have to add some weather premium into this market. But there's one other thing that this does need to be addressed in regard to, I guess, and that gets over to North Dakota and North Dakota in an area that actually if they keep a lot of the snowpack and have some problems they can have a lot or have increased prevent plant acres and maybe some of those acres that intended to go to spring wheat if they can't get them in unfortunately those could slide over to soybeans or corn so it's going to make it for a very interesting spring. Very much so. We'll stick around, folks. We're going to hit more on weather and then dive more into this grain complex of the day. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson is joining us with Heartland Farm Partners. And before we jump into uh, talk of more of these grain complex, I wanted to look a little bit more at the weather. Because as you and I were talking, we're expecting a lot of uh, water movement. And we continue to hear issues with the Mississippi already, which means barge traffic isn't moving. And we haven't had a lot of positive export talks. And this just seems to be another nail in the coffin. Yeah, it is. It's it's definitely going to impact that movement. Um, if we do see some additional demand pop up on the bean side, uh, corn corn has been moving along okay, even though USDA did reduce the exports in this last WASDE report, but we have at least been getting some good shipments. But what it could impact is it could make uh, maybe a little bit more of this uh, grain need to move by 
by um, train, which would benefit us here in the Western Corn Belt. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. The other thing we've got our eye on, Susan, is is we have these wet conditions. If you notice, a lot of these storms had been tracking also the south, so they've been coming in across the delta. And that area is an area that needs to get started on the planning. We officially don't have any planning progress reports out yet. But just taking a look at the individual state numbers, uh, Texas shows that they're about 11% planted. That's behind last year. Last year was about 24%, and the five-year average is 16 I took a look also at Louisiana, Arkansas, and Georgia down there, but they aren't reporting anything yet. But that's an area that we're going to have to watch. is going to be very important going forward that they're off able to get off to a, a good start. As you look at the funds, is this short of the position normal for the funds this time of year? You know, as we take back, I'd say this sort short of a position um, and this big one right now, it's, it's definitely happened in other years. As a matter of fact, if we take the February through June time frame, we went back and did a study, Susan, that went back all the way through 2014. And what we looked at in there is we said, okay, when the funds get their short position of the maximum short and then they reverse, something caused them, whether it be weather uh, or, or timing, technicals, and they start buying back, we took a look at how much the market had moved in past years. And if we looked in 2014, the market actually went up $1.06. 2015, it would have went up a dollar. 2016, 75 cents. 2017, 37 cents. And 2018, last year, went up about 66 cents. Now, why do I bring that up? Because I know as we talk to people, there's a lot of individuals out there that are getting nervous on this market. And I guess our whole point is we know that the selling from the funds will stop at some point. You know, was today's bounce the start of some recovery? It, it Probably it, it's a start, but I wouldn't say it's kicking off real strong yet. But we just have to remain patient in here because we can see some pretty good bounces. One additional thing I want to add in regard to the funds, and here's something that's hard to believe. When we take the, the managed money, the ones who try to make a profit out of buying and selling, we combine that with the index funds, the ones who want to use the commodity market as a hedge against inflation. They have other investments, and they're buying commodities as an investment. When we combine those two amounts, since about the middle of December, those two together have sold over 2.4 billion bushels of corn. And so we take a look at the market and go, man, it's really set back a lot. But actually, the corn market has done really well for the amount of outside forces that have been pushing on it. So how have you seen when it comes to shipments for both corn and soybeans? Yeah, and that's a great question. You know, we've talked about the export side, but on the shipment side, we continue to keep a close eye just to see whether or not the bushels that are being sold are moving. Corn actually still looks really good. Uh, Our current numbers would show that it's up 30% compared to a year ago at this time. However, soybeans, as we'd expect, are down about 32%. Now, depending on when some additional purchases come in by China, and and keep in mind, they had promised the last time they were here that they would buy up to about another 10 million metric tons. They hadn't talked about the timing, but that'd be about 370 million bushels. And so the whole thought would be as if they would step in here, if it happened in this old crop, that would give our old crop a, a strong boost. Now, if it doesn't happen in the old crop or doesn't happen as much, Susan, unfortunately, I still think there's a shot or a chance that we may not be able to meet USDA's export numbers on soybeans. So we're going to have to keep a close eye on that one also. What about the old crop? I know, Jeff, there's old crop corn and beans still sitting in the bins. You know, there is a lot of it out there. And a lot of the reason it's out there is that the price didn't look that good. And frankly, a lot of people couldn't even get to the bins with the winter we've had. 
And so some opportunities that we're seeing right now is as you come out of this time frame, I know your mind is set on thinking about getting har- or a planning done, not harvest, but getting planning done. I think there's going to be some basis opportunities first that you can look at getting locked in. I wouldn't get too concerned about locking in any basis for June or July, but I think you got to keep a very close eye on anything that needs to move in April or May. I think we're going to get some levels in here to do that. Then what you can do is sit back and kind of wait. I don't think there's any need to be selling on the future side yet on corn or beans. I think we will see a bounce. And then as we move over to the new crop side, I think we can be patient here yet. I think we'll still get a bounce high enough in here yet that we'll get better opportunities to sell both new crop corn and beans. But when we get the opportunity in beans, we're really going to have to jump on it because I'm concerned about that market down the road. What is the best way, Jeff, for folks to get a hold of you to talk more markets? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01 for more information. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the local Fontenelle dealers. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.